I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Blackest eyes, the devil's eyes, purely and simply evil. You're out of your mind, Wang. God bless you. <laughs> what do we do? Hello out there, and welcome back to Precinct 13, a podcast about the movie's music and mind of John Carpenter. My name is Nick Rocco Scalia, one of your two co-hosts, joined as always by your other co-host, Chris Oliphant. We've been away for a while. We finished the John Carpenter filmography. Chris, what is the plan? We, we, we're not done yet, but we're kind of getting close to being done here. Yeah, well, we, we finished the show proper. As you said, we did the whole filmography, and then uh, now we're just following through on our commitment to basically discuss our ranker of our, our personal rankers of the entire filmography and we're going to divide this into a, a series of th uh, three shows and we're going to have guests on each one sharing their rankers as well nick and i will be parceling ours out in sections as the uh, uh, sequential episodes come out if that makes sense yeah, so today you're going to hear about our worst of the Carpenter filmography, and then we'll move on up to our favorites, our top eight. But uh, joining us this time, uh, our first guest for this end of show extravaganza, we should have fireworks, we should have like costumes and shit. Like, <laughs> I feel like maybe we're not building this up as much as we should be. We should have been like hyping this for a really long time. Anyway, our first guest joining us and giving us her entire 23, she's seen all 23 Carpenter films. Welcome back, <laughs> Alexandra Wiles, who finally gets to talk real John Carpenter movies with us, right? Because your, your other two were remakes. Yes, they were. And not that exciting, but very excited to talk about these. Yeah, it's great to have you back. And um, I'm glad you can actually talk real Carpenter rather than I don't know, we'll call it imitation carpenter or something like that. But I will say those two episodes you were on were two of our best uh, as far as audience and numbers. So apparently your insights on, it was Assault in Precinct 13. We definitely did uh, Halloween 2018. That was our biggest episode ever for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, your thoughts on Assault in Precinct 13, the remake, were a hit with audiences as well. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> For once, that was actually a box office draw, that film. <laughs> uh, but we don't have to talk about any of that stuff tonight. We actually get to talk about the real Carpenter filmography, and I'm excited to do it. You know, we've been at this show since, what was it, 18? Fall of 18? Yeah, no, fall, right. fall of 19. Uh, 19, 19. Yeah. Yep. Oh, man. It, like time has just, the last few years with everything going on has just all blurred together. But... It has been several years. We've put out a lot of episodes. We reached our download goal, which I think is awesome. And um, you know, just want to say thanks to everyone. And, and we figured we'd do one last little go around here, a little victory lap at the end of the show. And then by the time we're done with all this, you will hear about our plans for the follow-up, what we're going to be moving on to next. Chris and I are not done podcasting together. We're just done temporarily podcasting about John Carpenter. Although there's some projects in the works, right? There looks to be a behind the scenes of John Carpenter's music documentary coming out soon. Yes, which will also be released on Blu-ray. No uh, dates yet that I could find, but I did see the trailer for it, which obviously um, 
caught my attention. So that will have to be a future episode when it finally comes out. Yeah, so we'll continue to drop episodes anytime something new happens in the John Carpenter universe, and hopefully there'll be lots more stuff. I had no idea about that, and I saw that trailer like you did. I was like, oh, this is another new thing that we get to talk about. And also those podcasts. I keep thinking about those podcasts, the uh, dramatic horror podcast that he planned a while ago, and no movement on that front, I don't think, but hopefully sometime this year or... I don't know, next year? Eventually, I would definitely like to hear this. Maybe for Halloween, I guess? He's probably just recording all of them now or something like that. Yeah. Well, I hope so. I'm looking forward to it. I hope he's in a couple of them, right? Like, you know, he could narrate or something. He could be the critic. That's what I want. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm hoping for. I mean, I, I'm so glad he's writing them, but also, you know, do a body bags and maybe you can I want to hear it. John's soothing voice. I do, too. It's been too long. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I do like, though? A lot of people do, like, like online meet and greets with him, and then they'll post them online. So it's just, like, a very quick, like, two- or three-minute interview with John Carpenter, and they get to ask, like, one question. I've seen a bunch of those over the last few years. Yeah. We should have probably yeah, gotten him to be on the show. Anyway, um, so as we usually do, we're just going to go around really quickly, do recommendations, and then we will get into our list, our, our bottom eight of John Carpenter and then Alex's entire ranking of the Carpenter filmography. Before that, uh, Alex, why don't you lead us off? What have you seen lately that our audience should check out? Well, there's a little unknown film out there called Cherry Falls. Uh, Chris and I just watched this uh, last night. He had never heard of it, and I was so excited that it showed up on Shudder. Um, Believe it or not. Yeah, believe it or not. <laughs> I was just going to ask, and then I was like, I don't even really need to ask, right? It's a Shutter movie. Yep. Uh, actually, it was a made-for-TV movie so many years ago, back in 2000. Um, I watched this in my early teens, and I absolutely loved it. I'd seen it probably about three times at this point, and I'd, we had to watch it. So to make a long story short, it's just kind of – of the Scream era, the late 90s, early 2000s type of teenage horror that was going on at its all-time high. Uh, it's pretty great. I highly recommend. This movie stars Brittany Murphy. Yes, the late Brittany Murphy. And uh, Jay Moore is in this movie. Um, it's something else, man. Like, I, I was reading, it's funny, this movie was supposed to be, it was supposed to have a theatrical release, but it was like, so controversial that like they lost their whole distribution deal and it ended up going on television only and had a European theatrical release. And according to Wikipedia, it remains today the most expensive made for television movie ever because of that. Um, it's definitely worth one watch. You have That's to see. That's all I ask. <laughs> Fair enough. Is it a uh, slasher? Like what kind of horror movie is it? Absolute teen slasher. Okay. Yeah. It's like, it's like in the vein of like, of like, urban legend and like yes. i know what you did last summer Valentine, sort of yeah, yeah like it's not as good as like say scream or the faculty but like definitely it definitely not. is like in that realm of film and it's like you know i spent the first half making fun of it and then <laughs> i found myself like really enjoying the second half because it was so fucking bizarre um so yeah really interesting like I, we talked about it a little bit off air, and I had never heard that title before. If it was supposed to be on TV, I feel like I would have known about it or something, or like I was so on top of movies at the time. It was on the USA Network. Like it was only released to that one particular TV station. 
Yeah, like right at the height of, I, I guess that was Jay Moore's fame. I don't know. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Yeah, that was right around, around the same time as uh, uh, Suicide Kings, I believe. Yeah. Okay, I like that movie a lot. And Brittany Murphy was great movie. also. She yeah. passed away not too long after that, right? Yeah, two, we just looked it up. 2009, she passed away. Okay, so yeah. probably one of her last movies. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. Thanks again, Shudder, for providing us with content. That's going to be important later, so if you're uh, paying attention. Anyway, Chris, what about you? Uh, I'm going to go off the beaten path a little bit here and just share with you that, uh, you know, Alex and I do these crazy exercises where we'll like pick a director and just like watch all their movies, um, in chronological order. We did Wes Craven last, which took us like six months to get through all of it. I think he had, I don't know, something like 25, 26, uh, full length pictures. Mm -hmm. We actually just started uh, a massive task of, uh, watching all of the work of uh, Spike Lee. Oh, wow. And, yeah, we've so far done his first four films, all of which have been really interesting. And I just wanted to put a spotlight on uh, Do the Right Thing, which was a kind of a, a, a guilty confession of mine. I had never seen that movie before. And um, it was just such a powerful movie. And, and, and a combination of, like, really deep cultural um layers but also like very funny and a lot of comedy injected in there too but also like really frustrating and stressful to watch at the same time <laughs> yes it uh, is and i was just like man for for such a young filmmaker to put out a, a, that was his third film so we're excited we did do mo Betta blues uh and i believe next is uh x malcolm x so we're going down that massive rabbit hole which will you know, however long it's going to take, uh, we're going to remain dedicated to it. But Do the Right Thing is a movie. If you have not seen that film, um, it, I don't care what genre you're into. That is one that you d need to see. Yeah, it's an absolute classic. It's an interesting filmography to do because it's pretty straightforward up until like maybe mid 90s or so. And then he starts doing documentaries and he does like these kind of smaller films yeah. on the side. So you're going to have a lot. Like you said, it's uh, it's a long task ahead of you. I actually uh, I just really got into talking heads for the first time in my life. That's a mm. band that I probably should have listened to forever. And, you know, now that I'm like 40 years old, I'm finally discovering Talking Heads. And he did the, I believe Spike Lee directed the film version of American Utopia, which is David Byrne's Broadway show where he did a bunch of Talking Heads songs and everyone wore these really cool gray suits. And I'm looking forward to seeing that. And I just, I thought that was an interesting pairing of uh, of talent and director for that so I, i'll be interested to see what he did with it that's another thing he did like he directed a few like films plays oh he's done everything he's done music videos i mean you just if you look at his body of work it's absolutely staggering and the fact that he's one of the few guys like i mean he's still in the game putting out like he just put out the five bloods last year yep um rare to see someone at that at that that uh, far on their filmmaking journey to be putting out uh such bangers you know so it's like that's going to be an education for us as well, so I'm very interested. And, and in a very uncompromising way, except for he did some studio films too, so there's some kind of fun, like Inside Man is a really great just heist movie. It does have some interesting subtext to it, but it's definitely not one of his arty movies. But yeah, I, I, I might do that myself. 
I'll just add the entire Spike Lee filmography onto the end of the list of things that I need to see. And I'll get to it by the time I'm about 80. Well, I actually, uh, Chris, I have to give you some credit for this one. I was kind of just wanting to put in some time and watch a longer movie the other night. And I was like, maybe I should watch one of those Korean movies that Chris is always talking about. Not that I haven't. We've talked about it a ton on the show. I've I've seen a lot of them, but there's a bunch that have come out that I've heard were really good. And because they're like two and a half plus hours, I generally don't have time to watch them so when i finally did uh the other night i checked out burning have you seen burning what no out of all the films i've seen i have not seen burning what damn it (laughs) i got you i'm like looking it up right now what the hell okay yeah it was uh 2018 or 2019 and i remember just insane reviews for this like everyone seemed to really like it and i was like i need to see that movie this year and then i don't know just lost track of time or something like that but uh it's filmed by chang dong lee and it's kind of interesting i mean it's a pretty slow pretty sedate drama tragedy mystery it's hard to describe genre wise it's really interesting though i mean i guess you could just call it kind of a, a character study about young people but Um, There's a love triangle. There's kind of a a mystery aspect to it as well. And it's just a a really beautiful, really fascinating movie. I mean, it was everything I wanted. I was looking for some like good for you cinema when I put it on. And I felt like that's exactly (laughs) what it was. Just really well written, really well directed, uh, just really interesting ideas throughout. And an ending that is bound to probably divide people, but I thought was just perfect and and exactly what it needed to be. And... um, cool thing about burning is if you're not uh too familiar with uh south korean cinema it does have steven yuen in it who's a great actor who's probably best known in america for uh, playing glenn on the walking dead for as many years he was on that show and just a really likable and familiar face in this movie so um yes it's a a foreign film but you get to see like a, a hollywood actor speaking his native language but still is he the dude in that movie mayhem Mayhem. Yeah. Have I seen sh- Mayhem? It's another movie on Shudder, but uh, hmm. God damn it, Nick. I thought for sure you were going to say The Wailing, but now I'm glad that you said this because I have never even heard of it, <laughs> so I have to watch this now. You know, I'll be honest. Um, I-, I was thinking about The Wailing, but I think that's even longer than this, so I was like, well, let me just go with Burning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe by 10 minutes or something. But <laughs> yeah, like, and this one really takes its time, too. I mean, so if you're not into films yeah. of that length, I am. I just don't usually have the time for them, but uh, it is, yeah. it's a little slow. I mean, I did, I read a few reviews afterwards. Some of them said it probably could have been 90 minutes, but I don't know. I think it's one of those movies where you really do need to live with the characters for a while, and I really enjoyed it, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to checking out a bunch of others that you've recommended. I still need to see A Tale of Two Sisters, so I think that's going to be next on the list. Deep cut. Tell you what, Nick, you commit to watching the entire Spike Lee filmography, and we will commit to watching Burning. Okay. <laughs> that's going to be a little <laughs> bit of a time commitment for me. Well, I've seen a bunch of them, though, so I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, speaking of filmmakers whose films we have seen all of, Alex, this includes you as well. Chris and I have been at this for, uh, what did we say before, since 2019. And so it's 23 films altogether. We're only going to talk about the ones that we discussed on the show. Um, you know, not writing efforts. We're not going to include Black Moon Rising or anything like that on here. But everything that has John Carpenter as a director, including stuff like Body Bags, where he directed a couple segments. Um, you know, it's, it's John Carpenter's Body Bags, right? 
right? So I thought that was worth talking about. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, the TV movies, we'll include those in our list. So the way we're going to do it is, uh, as we were saying before, Chris and I are going to drop our bottom eight on you. So we're going to start at our very least favorite Carpenter film, work our way through the bottom eight. And then once uh, all three of us get through those, then Alex is going to take over and basically tell us the rest of her entire Carpenter film ranking. So... I don't know how long this is going to take. We'll try not to drag it out too long. I know the suspense is probably killing all of you, so <laughs> let's get to it. Um, it's so, killing me. <laughs> yeah, I, I agreed. All right, so um, why don't we just start at the very bottom of the list? This might be one where I feel like we have a little bit of overlap, um, but Alex, what is your number 23, your least favorite John Carpenter movie? Before I start naming anything on this <laughs> ranker, I just need to put it out there that I did not strongly dislike any of these films Mm. this is just my ranking of ones i preferred more than the others um can i put out there that i did strongly dislike a few not not many (laughs) (laughs) there's a few that i i pretty much hated so that's That's fair (laughs) chris what about you um there's some that i seriously dislike but I you know that I'm so masochistic with this stuff. Like I, I it, there there's probably only one or two on here that I would like absolutely never watch again. Um, maybe you two just are worse one. than I me. Don't know. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, uh, that means that Alex is the nicest of us, and I am the worst Fair. of us, which I, I kind of figured anyway. Oh, so wait, wait till we get Mosley on here. He is going to be the absolute worst. <laughs> oh yeah, he's know, a pretty so. opinionated guy. I'm looking forward yeah. to that. Yeah. All right, Alex, your number twenty three Carpenter film that you did still like, just not as much as the other twenty two. Well, this one I didn't really care for at all. I wouldn't say I disliked it, but I could have gone without it. I'm going with Elvis for this one. To be honest, I just, the whole movie didn't really portray him as I remember a lot of his career and like especially towards the end. um, I didn't feel like it was really that on point with the ending of his career, like his weight, his drug addiction, all of all that stuff was just not accurate in this like movie. None of it's even in the movie. That's really. what I'm saying. Like, yeah. It's, yeah, that was just strange for me. Well, what did you think of Kurt? I mean, I, I'm, I'm not the hugest fan of that movie either, and I'm not the hugest Elvis fan, but like, I think that movie gets a lot of mileage just out of Kurt Russell putting in a, an amazing performance as Elvis. He did, and I, I very strongly agree with that. I don't think I've ever seen a movie with Kurt Russell in it that I didn't enjoy having him as an actor. And, I mean, he did not actually sing any of the music there. I looked it up. It was some country singer named, I believe, Ron Conaway that uh, covered most of the songs sung by him, mm-hmm. and um, which was obviously incredible. He sounds just like him. Uh, but the way Kurt was able to um, lip sync to all of those so <laughs> accurately, you honestly, if you didn't look it up, you would think it was him singing. So I thought that was he did an amazing job. Fair enough. Chris, any other thoughts about Elvis? I mean, we'll get to it. It's got to be somewhere on our list, too. Yeah, I mean, we can we can let it go for, for now. I, I mean, it's, <laughs> I, I think, you know, it suffers from being incredibly long if you're trying to do it in one sitting. And um, yeah, it's it's basically just worth watching for Kurt Russell. I mean, like nailing that character. I mean, it's just like I always bring up you know Denzel Washington doing a Malcolm X or just a, just totally like embodying that person so for that it's impressive but otherwise uh you know 
<laughs> Maybe the only time John Carpenter's Elvis has ever been compared to Malcolm X by Glee's Malcolm X. Well, so. <laughs> well, you know what? It's on the mind. And also, I'd like to just say though, it, it's so like it's it's so not John. Car- I mean, out of all his films, it just stands out like such a sore thumb. Like you look at it and you're like, John Carpenter. It's not John Carpenter's Elvis, but it's a John Carpenter film. So. Yeah, that's true. And it's the longest in his filmography as well. And it's, it's yeah, it's the least representative. So it's a, it's an interesting and, and I think worthwhile pick for, uh, for I don't want to call it the worst, but the, the least favorite. Uh, Chris, what about you? Uh, my number 23 is Pro-Choice from the Masters of Horror series. <laughs> Chris, it's called Pro-Life, and it's also my 23. Oh, my God. I even, I even, I even, I even typed Pro-Choice. Wow. It, you know, it could have been called either, and it, would have been, uh, it wouldn't have made a difference, but uh, I just... I, that, I remember being so frustrated watching that. It, it really is, out of everything I've seen John Carpenter do, just seemed like the laziest and the most I don't give a fuck like the dialogue and the acting is absolutely terrible and I I mean it was literally painful for me to watch um I didn't really find any redeeming qualities in it at all I can't believe I got the title wrong um well that says something about the movie I think that says more about the film than it does about you yeah I and and the other thing was it just it it was it's I hate when I watch something where it's so bad you can predict like everything that's going to happen down to like the lines and it just I don't know it frustrated me I feel like he was kind of just showing up to to get the paycheck from Mick Garris on that one I don't know <laughs> but, uh, I have no desire to ever see it again. Yeah, and uh, I think that's it's really maybe the one on this list that I really don't think I will ever be watching again either. Um, definitely the worst thing he ever did. I just I made a few quick notes on all these just to remember my thoughts about all of them. And um, all I have here is great premise, terrible script, indifferent direction. So I agree with you. Carpenter is he's not putting in his best directorial work here. And you know it is a great idea. I love the the sort of social commentary aspect of it. It's a, a master of horror episode about a young girl who is impregnated with a demon baby devil baby something like that yeah whatever and uh ron perlman plays her father who is determined to uh have her not have that demon baby aborted he doesn't know that it's a a demon baby he's just really anti-abortion he is really pro-life that is the title of the film (laughs) um but i will say i mean even with that right like it doesn't really like you get to the end of it and it's like what exactly is the position that this film is taking because she eventually ends up having the baby and maybe she shouldn't I, i i don't know like I think it kind of muddles its its position on the issue, and I don't like that about it. It, like this, is from the writers of Cigarette Burns, which is so much higher up on my list. It's going to blow your mind, Chris. But I don't know. I had never seen this. I was a big fan of Cigarette Burns, and and watching yeah. this, I was like, how could the same three creative people uh, that that did that thing that I love so much then come back a year later and do this? It really, the script is so bad. I think that mm. no director. I mean, the best of the best. I I don't think you know, doing the best of their work, right? Because Carpenter is kind of phoning it in here. But even at his very best, like, I don't think there's anything he could have done with this script. And it is just kind of a weak and lazy and unfun and and one that we just don't recommend at all. It's an effort that that really, I I think, takes away more from the Carpenter filmography than adds to it. Well, the fact that you and I both have it at the lowest, too, says something, so. I kind of thought all three of us would, but uh, 
I don't know. Alex just really hates Elvis a lot. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alex, back to you. What is your number 22? Pro-life. All right. Um, <laughs> That's perfect. I just found that one. Yeah. I mean, at least there was a cool monster demon in this one. Mm. I didn't get any of that in Elvis. So mm. that one took the space above. And oh, oh, and the Perlman. crab legs, right? The crab legs are great. Crab yeah. Legs. And Ron Perlman. I just, you know, he's a blessing. My, my, get, where's my little girl? Little girl. Remember, it's it's so bad. It's like, I but I don't really have any other opinion on that one. I'm pretty sure you guys just spent some time on that one. I I kind yeah. of agree with all of those points. Yeah, yeah. I kind of figured that would be very, very, if not the last one, then very low on the list for all of us. All right, Chris, what's your twenty-two? My twenty-two is Memoirs of an Invisible Man. All right. Um, and I and I and I do want to say it's kind of similarly to how Alex prefaced the whole thing. Um, I liked this movie more than I thought I would when we covered it. I was afraid to watch it because um, it has such a bad rep. But uh, just when I was making this list, I was thinking about it. I, a lot of this was a lot of my thought process was what do I not want to see again? Like what could I go without ever seeing again? And um, while I would watch this again, I don't really think I would get anything out of it. And again, similar to films like Elvis, like this is just so far off the beaten path of what I think a John Carpenter movie is. Not that I'm saying he's not a diverse director or anything like that, but this movie just kind of fell fell flat for me in the end when I had to put together a ranker. And I don't, and there's a lot I don't remember about it. You know, <laughs> it's like it it just didn't seem to. There's certain scenes, but um, it just didn't really have a lasting impression on me at all. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Carpenter doing the studio thing, which doesn't always work out for him. And I think maybe in in that case, maybe the worst uh, in, in terms of just his his experience with it and everything and, and what it did for his career. It didn't really help much at all. So, yeah, well, uh, it's a little higher up on my list, I will say. But, um, you know, again, it's definitely one that I think was destined for the bottom eight. And I was just going to say, like, some of the effects were OK and, you know, that's about it. For 1992, for sure. All right. Well, yeah. my, my 22 is Village of the Damned. And... <sighs> It was a film that I had not seen before we did the show, and I'd heard, you know, its reputation preceded it, I think, and, and everyone said it was kind of a notoriously bad movie, and I went into it kind of not expecting not expecting it to be good necessarily, but I went into it very open-minded. I liked the cast a lot, Christopher Reeve and Kirstie Alley and Mark Hamill. Um, I don't know. I thought it was going to be... I figured I would like it more than I did. And I will say the first, like, what, half hour or so, 40 minutes, like the setup, uh, the first act of the film, is really well done and really interesting um, where, where the alien presence comes down and the entire town, like, passes out and loses consciousness. I love that kind of disaster movie moment at the beginning beginning of it and I thought the execution was like really solid up until we meet the kids and once we see these alien possessed monster kids running around or, or sorry walking around two by two it just it gets so cheesy that I just can't get invested in it at all anymore when we actually see the alien it's the most adorable little beanie baby looking thing it just <laughs> does not help uh, matters at all I mean I, I think it's a movie it just takes a nosedive right like it starts off 
really good and then yeah. it, it gets silly and it never recovers at all like it never comes back there's a pretty cool like shootout at the end that i thought was more violent and over the top than i would have expected but yeah i don't know nothing really works for me it's not scary it's not interesting it just kind of plods its way toward the end and and then it ends on, on a note that's no better than the way it started agreed we can we can leave that one there for now <laughs> <laughs> all right let's abandon the village of the damned alex what is your 21 uh my 21 is cigarette burns <laughs> yeah i knew this was I, gonna hurt. I knew you might have been disappointed by that, that hurts one. my heart yes i apologize <laughs> but um uh, this one it had an interesting plot to it um but it just didn't really resonate with me that well and i don't really have a reasoning behind that i just don't remember too much of it but it just didn't i don't know it just didn't really hit me i guess i don't really know how else well, to describe it's, that. it's the whole masters of horror yeah it's like the the, the you know they're all kind of like short movies and it so again it does have like a whole different uh overall vibe to it than like the full length uh pictures i i liked it a little bit more I know, Nick, you love that movie. Yeah, I will not be talking about it this episode. I won't be talking about it for a while, quite a while. Right. Yeah. Well. Fair enough. Uh, Chris, you actually make a good point there as well, because these Masters of Horror things, they are not feature-length movies. And I don't know, like if you're not into short films, if you prefer like a 90-minute sort of standard feature length and the way stories kind of play out at that length, then these are going to suffer, both of them, um, just from that, right? Like it is not a complete mm -hmm. movie. It's it's part of a movie. It's It's more like an anthology TV episode. And if that's not your thing, I mean, I think that's fair too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Chris, what do you got for 21? Lucky 21. My 21 is Elvis, and I, you know, we, we already kind of talked about it. I would say the only reason why I put it above memoirs is because uh, the performance that we talked about. Like, I would rather watch some of the scenes where Kurt Russell is playing Elvis than watch Chevy Chase as an invisible person. <laughs> and, and, and Elvis does have the, the like, the, it's impressive, like, how many locations they shot on and, like, you know, the fact that it came out very shortly after his death and that actually did get some accolades. Uh, so but yeah, overall, it's 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 definitely at the at the close to the very bottom of my ranker. All right. That's fair. Uh, I'm still not going to talk about Elvis. Chris, I do have a Kurt Russell movie to talk about, though. This is one that oh. uh, this is a, a hot take. This is maybe a controversial pick. My 21 is Escape from L.A. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I, I really gave this a lot of thought. This was one of the toughest ones to place on my list, but the more I thought about it and went back and watched scenes, you know, over the past few months, just kind of like that's what comes up in my YouTube, right? And here is like a, a clip, you know, a segment from all these different Carpenter movies. And I watched a lot of the Escape from L.A. ones again, and they're just, uh, just something about it. Like, I, I don't like the... The cheese factor, I think it's just turned up way, way, way too high. And I, I love Escape from New York so much. I love the sense of humor in that movie. And I don't know, the more I look at this, the the more I think he really didn't capture it. And it really just didn't work for what it was supposed to be. Uh, the special effects are just atrocious. They're so bad. And, you know, maybe at the time, state of the art. But, like, there's so many movies from that era that hold up so much better. Um 
I don't know. It's it's so episodic. Like it never finds a rhythm. It kind of just moves from scene to scene to scene. And I don't know. I think it's uh, just a a lot of potential that was not lived up to there. And you know, I think my my biggest thing about it is it's a fun movie to watch and talk about, like in a almost like a so bad it's good kind of way. And I thought mm-hmm. we had great conversations about it on the show. But like, there's so many great Carpenter movies, and there's so many films where he really achieved what he was setting out to do. Um, this one just kind of doesn't do it for me and and the more i think about it the less i like it and i'm a huge huge fan of kurt russell i'm a huge fan of the snake plissken character i just don't think this movie really did him justice so yeah pretty pretty low on my list there definitely a love it or hate it film um for sure you know i don't think anybody's out there going eh, it's okay people are either like this is absolute garbage or people just love it for its zaniness or something i don't know yeah, and and to each his own, right? Like I, I, I could see how you could fall in love with this movie. I could see how you could see it as a good sequel to Escape from New York. I just don't happen to, and I don't know. I think uh, I think he's done better in in this same area before. So fair. All right, moving on, Alex. What is your twenty? My twentieth is Starman. Um. I know this is another one that probably doesn't sit well with you, Nick, but uh, Starman is just, I'm not a big kind of romantic movie kind of a person, and that just was the overwhelming feeling I got from watching this movie. Um, I did appreciate the sci-fi aspect of it. That part's always awesome. I'm a huge sci-fi fan, but this one just kind of sat with me just on a little too mushy i guess (laughs) (laughs) yeah still did not dislike it just not my thing yeah it's one of his mushiest movies i would say that's definitely true well mushy mushy in that sense Uh, like there's the thing is a mushy movie but in a completely different way like the guts and blood are, (laughs) are really mushy in the thing but this one's emotionally mushy. It is emotionally mushy, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's it's definitely another outlier, like Elvis is. Maybe not quite as much of an outlier, but it's definitely not what we expect from this director and not really something he ever went back to. What is your 20, Chris? My 20 is Village of the Damned. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Best thing about the movie is the score. Yeah. Um, it's got a great score. You nailed it on the head. The The first half is like so promising. And then from there, it's just so cheese and just never. Yeah, it just never gets back on track. And it's unfortunate because of how well done the first half of it is. Um, but that doesn't stop me from uh, throwing the vinyl on the old record player. The, the soundtrack on it is absolutely great. Um, <laughs> yeah, you almost wish it was for a better movie. Yeah, sure. Yeah. The, uh, oh, yeah. There's it's it's so bad that like there's scenes where the music is so good and it's over a scene that's just not. And it's like you know, and I don't know. I mean, again, I I think I would watch it. Uh, I, I I agree with what you said before. Like, I think the only thing other than the music that's redeeming about it is it is interesting to watch just for the casting. Um, you know, there there are some decent performances and just a really weird uh basket of of uh acting in here but yeah overall village of the damned is my apparent according to this list my fourth least favorite uh carpenter film well my fourth least favorite is ghost of mars (sighs) 
okay. which, <laughs> which I still liked a lot more than I thought I was going to. I mean, that was another one that its reputation preceded it. A lot of people really don't like that movie. And I don't know. I had fun with it. Uh, it's uh, as, as Alex was saying before. I mean, now we're getting to the point where I don't hate any of these movies. Like you could maybe apply that word to my bottom three. But like we're this is about the one where it becomes I liked it. I would maybe watch it again. I just don't think it's as good as as the classics and some of the other stuff that's in between. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I really like the cast of this. I thought Ice Cube was kind of fun in it. It's definitely not his best performance, but then it also kind of wastes uh, interesting people like Jason Statham and Pam Greer. The whole like Western aspect of it, I like also, you know, anytime somebody tries to do a sci-fi Western, which is pretty much what this is, I'm always on board for that. But, you know, again, this is a movie that that is cheesy and kind of very outwardly cheesy. It's very obviously shot on sets and things like that. And I don't know, it just doesn't have a ton of atmosphere and the action scenes. I remember describing to you, Chris, like there's a <laughs> lot of action in this movie, but a lot of them are just like people mindlessly waving guns around and just hordes of, of ghosts of Mars coming after them. And, you know, it, it kind of is trying to be like a Rio Bravo type thing, but it never really works. Um, the special effects are not super convincing, so not the worst movie I've ever seen. Definitely a fun movie in a lot of ways, but I just think there's a lot better ones to talk about. So Ghost of Mars falls pretty low on my list as well. Yeah, and the thrash metal doesn't help. This is probably the the, the, <laughs> the worst the worst of the uh, soundtracks, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We move from a really good one to um, just a really bad one. All right, Alex, what do you got for 19? I have Memoirs of an Invisible Man for 19. Yes. Um, I kind of went into this movie expecting it to be the worst on my ranker when I eventually had to write this down. Um, and it was not at all. Uh, I was actually pleasantly surprised by how like quirky and somewhat funny this movie actually turned out to be. So that was that was definitely a nice surprise, but definitely not anywhere close to my favorite. <laughs> Are you a Chevy Chase fan? Like, just sort of overall? I am. uh, Most movies I have seen with him in it, I have enjoyed, yes. All right. Yeah, I mean, that's something that I think this movie has in its favor, even if you don't particularly like it, is is it is a Chevy Chase vehicle. Although Mm -hmm. it doesn't really get to do the thing that he does really well in films, like that sort of fast-talking, you know, Fletch Caddyshacks. Like, those are my favorite Chevy Chase characters. He also doesn't get to be quite as dopey as Clark Griswold. So, you know, it's not the definitive Chevy Chase movie, but he's just an actor that I always sort of like to see and stuff. Right. I actually I agree with that. We wa- we actually watched Fletch recently, and uh, yeah, eh, it's all right. I was, oh, I love Fletch so much. Well, see, Chevy Chase is just his own character. Like he is, it, it yeah. It, I don't know. It's it's. When's the last time you saw it, Nick? Uh, about five six years ago, probably. It's really not aged well, in my opinion. And I'm not huh. hating on it. It was okay, but I was just like, really, I don't know. <laughs> well, I'll I'll always be. I, I'll never not laugh at Doctor Rosen Penis. So that's just me. <laughs> All right, Chris, what is your 19? My 19 is Starman. Uh, I'm sort of in the same boat with Alex on this one, and and not that I don't appreciate like a good romantic element in films, but this we're going to use the word gushy again, I guess. Yeah, this one was just a little too um, soft for me. Like, it didn't... I, I, I've seen it twice, and I really wanted to like it more the second time I saw it. Interestingly enough... This is the only Carpenter movie that was nominated for an Academy Award. Um, 
but and I could I could see why, but again, this is him like it's like I feel like, you know, the thing came out and E.T. destroyed it and then you know, he he picks up the, the Stephen King movie, Christine, just to kind of get back on track. And then it's like he went right back to the sci-fi thing with Starman. And it just, I don't know, man. I felt like he was chasing something that he didn't really, I don't know, just didn't really accomplish here. And it's another movie where I think, and he didn't even score this one, uh, but the music in it is fantastic. It does have some scenes I enjoy. But yeah, just a little too a uh, little too lighthearted for me in the Carpenter canon. Fair enough. And it, again, it is kind of an outlier and and not something that he went back to. Like he never became the romantic comedy guy after this, which is probably a good thing. <laughs> the <laughs> but... master of romantic comedy. <laughs> yeah, like who are the masters of romantic comedy? I don't know. Uh, my number nineteen is John Carpenter's Vampires, which. Ooh was a movie that I really liked the first time I saw it back in 1998 and seeing it again for this show. I just could not find my, my, I couldn't find the appeal, I guess it, it, Really, it starts off great. It's another one that has great opening moments. Uh, that opening action scene where we first meet James Woods and his crew, I think, is fantastic. And we see the way vampires uh, spontaneously combust when you drag them out into the sunlight and all the cool gadgets, the truck with the winch and everything. I love all of that stuff. But um, I felt like the middle section of this movie is just boring and bloated and not very fun and doesn't really do anything. Um, the sure. ending is cool. The final battle I really like a lot, but overall it just kind of doesn't do much for me. Uh, the characters are just really, really unlikable. I really don't like James Woods's character. I really don't like Daniel Baldwin's character and you know, the, the one liners I don't think really work for me. So I don't know, like I, I would definitely watch it again, but I think I'd watch maybe the first half hour and then skip to the last 15 minutes or something. Um, because everything in, in the middle just seems kind of superfluous and I don't know. I, I was surprised how much I didn't like. It. I mean, the sequel is not better. Uh, was it? <laughs> I was just gonna say. Los what about Muertos? Los Muertos? Yeah. <laughs> but like, I don't know. There were some things about that one that I actually preferred to this one. So I don't think I'll be watching that one again either. But, like John Bon Jovi. <laughs> you gotta like Bon Jovi. Nick, how did you not like the extremely likable character of D D Daniel Baldwin in this movie, <laughs> dude? Oh my god. Yeah, it's pretty scuzzy. Montoya. Yeah, he's, Montoya. he's awful. <laughs> I love it. Fair. That's a fair ranking. That's yeah. Fair. Like this movie loses a star for every time he slaps a woman for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, Alex, what do you got for 18? I have Someone's Watching Me for 18. Ooh. Um, I really did like this movie. Like I said in the beginning of all of this, I'm getting, I'm now at an official point where I... I had a little love for the rest of the movies going forward on this. So the whole premise of this movie was really good. Uh, this, you know, beautiful uh, woman moving out on her own, changing jobs into this loft apartment, you know, finally like moving on, moving up in the world. And then all these creepy things start happening and the mm. phone calls and, you know, her psyche starts to just deteriorate and, you know, I always enjoy movies like that, as weird as that sounds now that I'm saying it out loud. <laughs> but yeah, that one surprised that one. I was surprised that I would like um, mostly because I wasn't really sure how I was going to feel about it uh, going into it. But I did end up liking this one. Still a little low on the list for me. 
Yeah, I mean, for a TV movie, it really does a lot of things that I think, particularly from that era, like TV movies don't necessarily do. Like, there are moments in this movie that are scary, and I didn't expect that at all. And there are moments that are, like, just really stylish and well-directed and look like a film director kind of mm-hmm. was, was doing film-type stuff rather than, you know, I like... not that I was around for this era of television, but I don't know. It just reminds me of like this kind of very lowest common denominator sort of filmmaking and just like get your master shot, get your close-ups, like nothing very exciting. And I don't know. I think, I think someone's watching me has a little bit of that, Um, some interesting filmmaking in it. And uh, and Lauren Hutton is great. Yes. Yes, I loved her character. All right. Well, um, Chris, what do you have for, what are we on? 18, 18. Uh, my 18 is John Carpenter's. We got to start saying that before every, everyone now, John <laughs> Carpenter's ghosts of Mars. Okay. Um, got to agree with you on that one. I, I actually, the way to watch this movie is if you're going into it, trying to take it seriously at all, you are going to hate <laughs> everything about this movie. If you go into it and just try to have fun with it and watch it as a, you know, a good hangover movie, I enjoy seeing uh <laughs> i have a soft spot for ice cube too and the fact that he even worked with john carpenter is just so bizarre to me um and yeah it's like precinct 13 on mars like you're absolutely right it, like the action scenes towards the end are so sloppy but like at least it brings it you know like it brings the violence there's plenty of uh limbs flying around and stuff like that and uh i don't know you know i i i I don't think it's the complete failure that most people make it out to be, but certainly in the bottom half of my my John Carpenter ranker. Yeah, I think it's probably in the bottom half of of most of most people's, but I don't know. I mean, again, that's one that maybe it's time just hasn't come yet, right? Maybe we need another 10 years and then people will start to appreciate Ghost of Mars. That does tend to happen with Carpenter, as we've talked about, but I don't know. I don't particularly see that happening but ghosts of mars gets a ridiculous like cult <laughs> criterion following. collection releases the ghost of mars like well i mean like the thing like edition. like like natasha natasha henstridge is really good in it you know like in my opinion i don't know i like natasha henstridge yeah all right well my 18 is memoirs of an invisible man we've talked about it a lot already <laughs> because of course we were going to this time around um i will say i mean i, I liked this one a lot more than i thought i would i saw it like you know when i was eight years old or something when it came out but basically it was seeing it for the first time for this show um, yeah. and I thought it was kind of not a disaster you know it felt like a an early 90s sort of blockbuster action movie it's not one of the better ones but definitely of the era of like Tim Burton's Batman and stuff like that and I don't know like I was uh, a kid at that time and enjoying movies so much I was kind of coming into my own as a movie viewer and you know watching a lot of Spielberg <laughs> and stuff like that so you were watching Spielberg and you were watching memoir of an invisible man right and i was I'm sorry just so uh, i was starting to learn the difference you know between like raiders of the lost ark and memoirs of an invisible man um they really only have in common the uh, of in the title but oh hold on nick i should mention this it is the only carpenter film i think i'm i think i'm let me double check this yeah it's the only carpenter film i do not own on blu-ray <laughs> oh well you gotta buy it i it it does exist we looked it up when we did it on the show there I is know. a blu-ray of this uh film and you should definitely have i'll it. get it i'll get it yeah i mean it's you know it feels very much of its time and as i was saying before i really love chevy chase he doesn't really get to do all the stuff that i want him to in this but he's an interesting protagonist it's an interesting story uh sam neill is great makes an awesome villain the, the scenes between the two of them i think are really good uh the special 
effects are still pretty cool looking. I mean, a little mm -hmm. bit dated, but definitely impressive for the time. And, mm -hmm. you know, again, I think just like a lot of wasted potential, right? Like this could have been a really, really great movie, like a memorable sort of 90s blockbuster and something in the execution just didn't go quite right. Or maybe it just needed another pass at the script or something, or maybe it needed like one other sort of big action set piece and it would have been better but i don't know i enjoyed it i would watch it again and i probably will watch it again and i didn't expect to think that about it another film that uh really the critics and audiences just could not trash hard enough uh, at the time and and pretty much even now fair all fair points all right alex what do you got for 17 i have the ward as 17 that's John Carpenter's The Ward. John Carpenter's oh, The Ward. I apologize. Ward. John Carpenter's The Ward. <laughs> Chris, are you forget like are you afraid people are going to forget what show they're listening to? I think yeah, so. right, exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Ward. Um, Tell us about The Ward. Yeah, uh, I actually really like this one. Um once again, a movie I was going into like, oh, is this going to be another one of his gems that seems like it'll be okay and then it's just not. Uh, but no, I was pleasantly surprised by this one and mostly because when I first watched it, um, as it's going down, you know, as the movie goes on, I should say, I was getting major identity vibes. Like, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of that movie personal, like, of course, guilty pleasure of mine. Uh, but watching the ward, I was like, this is amazing because I really enjoyed the movie identity. So it's very similar without spoiling too much. Um, but I thought it was pretty well made. I thought it was well shot. Um, I thought all of the actresses involved did a really good job at uh, portraying, well, basically different um, yeah. <laughs> personalities. <Spoilers. laughs> <laughs> yeah, spoilers, sorry. But um, I thought yeah, everyone did really well, and I um, really enjoyed the plot once it started to unravel at the end. It's funny you say that because uh, I really didn't like Identity and I remember being really mad at that movie when it came out and <laughs> there are some major similarities uh, between that and The Ward and I actually really liked The Ward. Um, I thought it was much, much better than I expected it to be. But yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> Give Identity another shot. <laughs> I will. I, I will definitely watch that again at some point because I enjoyed this one so much and it's kind of the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, really like Jared Harris in this. And uh, I, yeah. I agree very much about the cast. I thought they were all pretty good. And again, sort of an interesting, like not Carpenter's usual thing in a lot of ways. It's an all female cast or like basically the protagonist, all the major characters are female aside from Jared Harris. And I don't know. There's uh, maybe some similarities to the thing or something like that. But yeah, the the more you talk about it, the more you risk spoiling it and then people won't watch it. And <laughs> I think this movie actually deserves, uh, you know, some more attention. So nice. Yes. I'm, I'm glad it's not at the bottom of your list. It's a little Definitely not. <laughs> online. What do you got, Chris? My We're doing 17, right? 17. All right. So, Nick, you and I have two more and then we just go to Alex's, right? Because we're doing eight. That is correct, yes. Okay. So, interestingly enough, my 17 is also the ward. Um, and, again, we're starting to get to the point here where pretty much everything from here out I really enjoy. Um, but this is going to be a situation where uh, I do feel, when I watch this film, the sort of genericness to it. And I really don't like the fact that John Carpenter didn't score it. Not that the music isn't bad, but 
just bothers me. You know, the the I think the anticipation behind this giant gap in his filmography where it's like it's been almost 10 years since he put out a movie. And I know we talked about this on the show uh, very recently, you know, that this was in a way kind of cool for him to come out uh, humbly, if you will, and not try not trying to make something that, you know, for, you know, shock effect or do something that's like ultra terrifying. I can respect that. But at the end of the day, it's not. A, it's not a Blu-ray that I'm going to be reaching for to watch um, as much as the others in front of this list. And that's how I, I compiled most of this, as I said. The one thing I will give this movie credit for uh, that, Nick, you and I actually, if you remember this, we agreed on is uh, the dancing scene. Yep. I just think that that's so wonderful. And I remember like the first time watching it going like, oh, my God, this is where the magic is going to happen. And then like <laughs> that's sort of the best scene in the movie. You know, it's 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 all right, but again, um, not gonna make the top half of, of my ranker. I love that dance scene so much. I just taught a film yeah. class, and I was looking for we're talking about sound design and sound editing, and I wanted to sort of showcase that in a clip. And I chose that scene from The Ward, not because mm. it's the best example of that in film history, but it was pretty recently in my mind. We watched that in like November, or December, or something like that. So I used that scene, and uh, a couple of my students were like, "Oh, what is this movie? This looks really cool." And I just kind of, you know, I didn't want to not recommend it, but I said if you go in with low expectations and you like this sort of thing. Thing, that's you just might like it. it yeah that's just it yeah it's yeah. uh yeah the lower your expectations which i think all of us kind of went into it thinking all right this is another critical disaster it's got to be pretty bad and turns out to be better than we thought it would be yep Four, all right three. well uh my 17 is elvis and we've talked about it so much already <laughs> that i don't know that we need to well finally elvis is done we're done with elvis um I will say, I mean, it's a pretty enjoyable movie. It's well-directed for a TV film from the, the time. It's got a nice sort of sense of, like, scope to it. Like, it does cover a lot of Elvis Presley's life. I agree with you, Alex. Um, it leaves out kind of some important details toward the end. But it does really cover from his childhood to, like, the height of his stardom and, and a little bit after that. So I liked that about it. I mean, it's a pretty standard musical biopic. There's been so many of these, especially lately, and they all have the same sort of rise and fall narrative with like addiction and infidelity and all that stuff and you know i guess because every rock star's life was basically the same um all the movies turn out to be kind of the same but this one predates <laughs> all of that by a lot um but it, it the elements just sort of feel familiar just because we've seen so many of those movies but again this is so high on my list mostly because of kurt russell he's just so much fun yeah. in this it's he's really given it as we said on the show i remember you know both of us used the phrase he's putting in 110 percent, and he is um and it's not just in the musical sequences where he's lip syncing along and, and kind of doing all the elvis moves but just like every aspect of this performance is just you know a plus stuff he's really you know putting himself out there and, and obviously this led to the collaboration between him and Carpenter and I would definitely watch this again it's a long long movie it's not something I'm planning on doing anytime soon but it's definitely something that I could enjoy again just for the performance and uh, just kind of the the epic scope of it well the best part about it is is that it started the long uh, life of collaborations between John and Kurt I mean that's where it all started so yeah so you uh, got to give it respect for that as well because without yeah. Elvis we'd never have escape from New York and that would suck Yep. All right, Alex, what do you got for uh, number 16? I have Ghosts of Mars for number 16. <laughs> there you go. Um, 
I have a very soft spot for sci-fi thrillers. Um, <laughs> probably my favorite genre, absolutely, growing up as a kid that easily led into horror. Um, actually, I was a fan of both of those genres at a, from a young age. But um, Ghost of Mars just kind of reminded me of the cheesy sci-fi thriller like all of the ammunition all of the aliens all of everything that made childhood (laughs) great for me uh all wrapped up into one uh i didn't even mind the music i thought it was very fitting to the movie um at least what was going on in that movie (laughs) not saying that the music was good (laughs) but yeah let's throw on very fitting let's throw on some (laughs) bucket head and kill a bunch of uh well all the villains dress like marilyn manson so the music kind of has to sound like marilyn manson so i agree it is fitting yeah i just natasha and ice cube are awesome uh even like the ending scene it just make makes my heart smile in a weird way yeah they make a good team yeah they do oh the, and, the um, last scene is great yes yeah uh the little bit of a spoiler here but the one part i was not expecting at all was the early demise of pam greer i was yeah. not expecting it to be that soon yeah, uh, which so. I think that hurt the movie a lot. I wish she had been around. Not that I, I do too. I really do, especially character. because she was the leader and all of that. So I would have loved to see her a lot more, just because she's an incredible actress, as we all know. Uh, but yeah, this one I pleasantly loved. I Alex, really did. what is your uh, what was your '80s sci-fi thriller movie that that kind of got you into that genre? Ooh, say Night of the Creeps. <laughs> Oh well, yeah. I was gonna say aliens, but <laughs> honestly, I was my I was about to bring up aliens. Um, that definitely was one of them. I even like my silly ones, like Tremors, and um, sure. Oh, it was another good one. There's just so many. Tremors is a masterpiece. Like I know, it's such no a one good ever movie. agrees with me on that, and I don't care. Uh, my wife loves it too, but it's uh, we saw it recently. We saw it like at the beginning of the pandemic, and I was like, this is just such a well-made movie. And I think it's gotten a pretty solid reputation over the years. I mean, I think a lot of its audience is people who saw it like we all did when we were really young, and it was just like, oh, it's a comedy, but it's a horror movie, and you know, it was kind of adult for us at the time. And I think a, a lot of the cult status that it has, but you go back and watch it and like the special effects look great the characters are a lot of fun it's just a, a great movie sort of all around so it's one of the only films with kevin bacon that we didn't have to see his junk that's true you know? <laughs> that was the pre-kevin bacon's junk days. yeah it was pre-kevin bacon <laughs> so guys, before you felt the need to do that you've seen tremors but have you seen tremors four? Oh. um i'll tell you uh, my, while we're on the subject i mean i mine is obviously predator you know uh 1987 oh sure. see and that's another one yeah. predator yeah. obviously you know, i saw I that when i was like five one. i was literally like five when i saw it and i was like i guess i like sci-fi horror and arnold schwarzenegger <laughs> yeah great. yeah it was uh it was a great era for those kinds of movies and anytime one of them comes out now i can't wait to see it like you know pandorum and stuff like that i mean they haven't done a great one in a while but anytime you've got like any kind of suspenseful movie set on a spaceship like i am all on board for that like sunshine is a great one from mm. somewhat recent memory but yeah i don't know what it was i guess we just kind of all grew up around a time when that was the thing to do were these um you know sci-fi horror action movies it's great all right chris what do you got for 16 uh, starting to get painful here um speaking of sci-fi my 16 is dark star and um that hurts my heart a little bit too chris 
I know. <laughs> and, well, the thing is, we actually just watched it again not too long ago, and um, I mean, it is what it is, right? It's like it's it, it's really hard to put it up in the the I don't want to say the class, but just like the measure of some of these other films because it's literally like a student made film, super super low budget, first thing John ever did with um, Dan O'Bannon, and it's just I mean, it's very slow. Uh, I think that's part of wh- why it's that low on my list. I think, don't get me wrong, I think what they did, wh- what they had to work with, it's very impressive. It's very funny. It is straight up like a comedy movie. It's maybe one of the funnier John Carpenter movies, but at the end of the day, with with my criteria being like, what do I want to watch again and again and again? I mean, at this point, I've or, I've seen Dark Star probably more times than most people have, so I've kind of gotten it like out of my system, you know? That is all 100% true and 100% fair. I'll save my comments. It's pretty pretty high up on my list, actually. But, um, I knew it would you be. Know, I, I definitely agree. Yeah, something about it. I mean, it's I, that also speaks a lot to me, I think, as well. And, and just kind of, you know, you were mentioning that it is a student film. And to me, like, that's a, a check in the pro column mm-hmm. for this film for me because I just sort of like seeing stuff like that. I mean, I, I really enjoyed when we talked about, was it Bronco Billy? Yeah. Sure. The the, uh, the, the student the, films. The resurrection of Bronco Billy, I believe. The resurrection of yeah. Bronco Billy, yeah. yeah. Like, that was a really fun episode just because, you know, just the thought of John Carpenter as a young film student kind of fascinates me and where his craft and his directorial abilities came from. So, yeah, I mean, it is, it's certainly not his most fast-paced movie by a long shot. It's so good, too. I really like it. Again, there's no, this is where it gets hard. I have no hatred, no ill will towards the movie at all. It just ended up where it ended up that's yeah this like middle section of the list was definitely the hardest like i knew what my favorites were and those weren't hard to shuffle around the bottom it's like which one do i want to punish by sort of putting it (laughs) in the dumps of my list but this stuff in the middle it's like i really respect these movies but there's better ones and it was tough it was uh this was an emotional process i felt like don't you (laughs) like putting these lists together well i don't think many human beings on earth have uh gone through the uh the process like we have, if you will. So I redid mine like the... ten times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean <laughs> And honestly, I could, it's it's just one of those situations where I could watch any one of these movies again and it may or may not move up or down on the list. Yeah. You know, you just feel a different way after watching it freshly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other thing I'll say is having done this show, like every one of these movies is fun to talk about. Like there mm-hmm. wasn't one of them where I was like, how the hell are we going to do this episode? Like, are we going to have <laughs> enough to say about this? Because they're all interesting in their own way. Uh, pro-life being interesting and in how bad it is. But for the most part, you know, even the ones that don't entirely work, you can kind of talk about that in an interesting way. And they're not just sort of lackluster, boring movies. So that's uh, another another thing that we can say about John Carpenter. Always fun to talk about. Uh, my number 16 is John Carpenter's Body Bags. And Ooh. You know, uh, it's a really fun movie because John Carpenter is in it. He is the host. He's kind of our Crypt Keeper figure. I love that about <laughs> it. He directs two segments. So, Chris, I was asking you, like, should we even include this on the list? But we did oh, talk yeah. about it on the show. I mean, he directs enough of this where I think we can... And he's got his name over the title as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it certainly counts. The other, <clears throat> the other segment is Toby Hooper. His is actually my least favorite. I think the two Carpenter segments are way better than Toby Hooper's, and I like Toby Hooper. But 
Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's a fun movie. It's just not something that I think is as great, as well directed, as sort of well thought out as uh, as some of his better stuff. I really enjoy Stacy Keach. The middle segment, the hair segment, is a lot of fun. Um, really made me laugh the first time I saw it. Does that mean I want to watch it again, like right now? Not necessarily, but it's really clever and it's a cool sort of uh, you know anthology horror idea. Mm. I would have loved to have seen this as a television series. The intention was oh, to yeah. have this as a Tales from the Crypt type show, and you know, like I feel like this is just getting started as to what that could be. And like by the end of the first season or into the second season. And it really would have hit its stride. And these would have been really fun, like half hour John Carpenter style horror stories, like every week on Showtime. That would have been so cool. But instead, we get this feature film, feature length uh, compilation of them. And I say it's a must see if you're a Carpenter fan, especially because he's in it, as I was saying. But also because these two segments are a lot of fun that he does and definitely showcase some of the Carpenter um skill set and and the thematic preoccupations and stuff like that although i don't know the hair segment kind of is is unusual for him but the what's it called i think it's just called gas station the first segment yep. that he does has some real Halloween vibes and some great sort of scares in the vein of that. So it's a real interesting sort of curio for John Carpenter fans. Um, but, you know, I don't think it should be one of the first 15 movies of his you see if you have a choice to to what order you're doing it in. Uh, loaded with awesome cameos, too. And, sure. Uh, the, uh, this, the best one being Greg Nicotero walking his dog with his long hair. <laughs> yeah, blink and you'll miss it because I did and Chris had to point that out to me. <laughs> All right, so uh, this is the point of the list where uh, Chris and I shut up for a while, and Alex, you take the reins and bring us through the rest of your John Carpenter filmography. So what do you have for 15? Uh, for 15, I have In the Mouth of Madness. Wow. Um, I know Chris is a little <laughs> yeah. disappointed by that one, and that's I am all right. Too. Well, no, I, uh, I'm i not disappointed by anything anyone has said, and I won't be. This is the judgment-free <laughs> zone like Planet Fitness, so whatever you feel about these Carpenter films is, is what you feel about them, and I think it's awesome. Right, and like you both were just talking about. Oh, except for I, cigarette burns. That <laughs> really bothers me. <laughs> well, I feel the same about body bags. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it's just, it's one of those movies in the middle of the list that I know I did obviously enjoy this movie. It's just the way it worked out and my ranker just ended up where it was. I did enjoy the whole idea behind the movie. Uh, Do you and, read Sutter Kane? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but on the same token, it just still didn't sit right as my favorite. I mean, I do love Sam McNeil. I think he's an amazing actor. Um, and there were just, I don't know, some parts of this movie that just uh, didn't really catch my interest a lot. And don't hate me for this, Chris. <laughs> no, I don't hate you at all for it. I no, mean, no you, you can't hate someone for uh, having a different true. John Carpenter ranking than you. <laughs> but yeah, um, that one, like I said, I did, I did enjoy it. It just was not my favorite. Fair enough. Uh, moving right along then. Yep. Uh, my next one is Prince of Darkness. Oh, now I have to leave the room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can we do, wait, so that's number, your number 14 is 14 Prince of Darkness. Prince of Darkness. Wow. All right, I'll uh, stop saying wow after everything now, just because I, whatever. Yeah, I'm going to have to sit down <laughs> in your ranking and be like, wow. I know. Um, so Prince of Darkness, another movie I did enjoy. Um, I really loved the giant vial of evil. Liquid Satan. Basement. Yeah, Liquid Satan, yes. Um, I remember looking over at Chris and telling him, I was like, if I could find a necklace that was 
similar to the liquid Satan, just just constantly swirls. That would be amazing. Oh, uh, you um, should make that. What a great idea! Yeah. I would totally buy one of those too. Dude, I hopped online so to try to find it. I was like, "There's no way a fan of this movie has not come up with a simple piece of jewelry that has just has a swirling green liquid in it." Oof. Yeah, like but, Etsy or something. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I was thinking, but it doesn't exist. So there's food for thought for anyone listening. Um, this one was really cool. Um, I you can't. I mean, Alice Cooper's in this movie. That's <laughs> obviously incredible. Um, every time he comes on screen, I can't help but giggle just because it's Alice Cooper. Um, I mean, we get to see a man dissolve into bugs. That was cool. There were a lot of interesting aspects to this movie, and then it just gets weirder and weirder and. You know, I I did end up really enjoying this movie. Um, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. It's also one. a super slow burn. Like, yeah. And I think that was part of it. You're just kind of like, Where and you know me, I'm not going? a big slow burn person. Yeah. Like, and and it is kind of. I mean, who really understands this movie? Is yeah. Sort of thing. <laughs> it's a lot of a lot of weird aspects to it, but the all put together make it a pretty good movie so. yeah see i like all the weirdness i don't mind the slow mm-hmm. burn of it but i agree with you there it does hit a point where i don't know if repetitive is the right word but, but like something kind of happens where i lose interest for a while and then it kind of brings it together toward the end but <laughs> yeah it, it's a flawed film but it's an interesting film and um you know again another one that is really fun to talk about uh just just the idea alone and the way it kind of combines science and religion and liquid satan uh and i totally agree that would be an awesome <laughs> Some um, something to have, like just a little desk lamp or something, like a lava lamp type yeah. thing. That's ooh. yeah, something like that. I think that'd be really cool. <laughs> All right, so uh, we need to do the Precinct Thirteen Etsy store, and yes. it's mostly just going to be Liquid Satan related right. items. Exactly. People we'll figure out it. how to make it work. <laughs> nice. All right, what do you got for thirteen? Uh, thirteen is going to be Dark Star for me. Um, another film I. Uh, Chris had me watch this probably sometime last year for the first time. And um, as he mentioned earlier, we just watched it recently and I liked it even better. Um, The first time I found it really enjoyable. I thought it was just, you know, kind of fun and quirky and you can't really get over the, it's just the atmosphere of the whole movie The you know, you can clearly tell the spaceships like a little piece of paper spaceship or something flying through. And then <laughs> um, just all of, like all the different sounds and haptics, like the uh, woman who detonates all the bombs, like her voice comes <laughs> over. Like, I thought that was amazing. Uh, my personal favorite was the alien that they brought on or a yes. one particular character brings on and it's just a giant beach ball with chicken feet and I <laughs> adored that and yes. you can t- ask Chris the first time I saw it I was, it almost made me giggle I was like this is the most adorable alien I've ever seen mm-hmm. and it was so simple <laughs> so uh, yeah that movie uh, I'm really glad it exists very much so and for it to be John Carpenter's kind of first step in the door it was pretty cool what a great way of saying that. Yeah, I'm really glad that movie exists also. Benson, Arizona, baby. Yeah, uh, Chris, I listen to that song so much. <laughs> well, and definitely a repeat watch for me. I would watch that movie over and over again. Yeah, it's fun. It yeah, is. it's a fun little one. Yeah, it's fun. It's short. What's well, it, 75 minutes or right. something like that? Sure. Great music. <laughs> Yeah, that is uh, my Spotify like on repeat playlist that is always <laughs> on there. It's been on there since I saw the movie. So that's... That. Uh, Real interesting musical moment in the Carpenter filmography. All right, what is number 12? Uh, 12 is Vampires for me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
This one goes a little higher on my list than the other few before that I was just mentioning because of the fact that it involves vampires. Because I truly loathe what fans have done with (laughs) vampires since, like, I don't know, what, 2000? Uh, Maybe 2002. We'll put it in that area. But anything after that's just... It's just embarrassing. Like, with the vampires aren't supposed to sparkle. They're not supposed to be these beautiful, stunning creatures, you know. The couple that came out at a certain time where they were, you know, beautiful, you know, creatures, and then they turn into the ugly ghouls that they really are. Like, that's that's fine. But, you know, this just comes, this just brings vampires into what I love about vampires, which was when they first started to come across film. Uh, obviously not the black and white Dracula, which is our classic here, but um, I just loved this uh, particular movie for that reason. They were ugly, hideous creatures that are just the most awful beings on the earth, and they're not even alive, and they just have no regard for anything or anybody, and, you know, James Woods, he's always an excellent character for me. Um well, actor. His characters can be kind of annoying, but um, this one in particular, I thought he played very well. You know, like you guys were talking about earlier, because I know you guys had yours a little lower on the list. Um, yeah, I mean, that I don't feel like there's much else to say besides really cool gadgets, really awesome weapons, yep. uh, really cool explosion at the hotel. Gotta love that. Oh, yeah. But yeah, the characters weren't exactly my favorite, and you're absolutely right about the abuse of this poor woman. <laughs> the, who's show, like... the, the sheer chauvinism <laughs> yeah. of this movie. Like, I felt really like... bad for her. I was like, "Can't you guys just stop hitting her at least?" Like, I mean, good <laughs> yes. The answer is yes. They could have easily yeah. stopped hitting. Her. It's not her fault. Like, you know, she's trying. She's she's stumbling along. Oh but, God, uh, yeah. it's it's something. That's, that's yeah. It's an blurb. interesting it's one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't get not. me wrong. There's no other vampire movie out there, in my opinion, that's, uh, well, I'd have to think about it a little more, but definitely my, and my top two is from dusk till dawn. That is just the most amazing vampire movie. Better movie. Yeah. Oh, it's, I, it's, I agree it's with that. Very excellent much. movie. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I'm wondering, cause you mentioned like, <laughs> yeah. well, you alluded to twilight and I've never actually seen twilight, but I wonder if I would like that better than John Carpenter's vampires. Like that's an experiment that I'm not going to do, but I'd be kind of interested just to see like, <laughs> which one of these do I actually get more enjoyment out of? Cause I really don't like John Carpenter's vampires all that much. So, well, if you like vampires that sparkle, that are <laughs> male models, um, what else is there? Oh, the whole romantic mushiness of it all, because we know that's my favorite. Um, yeah, and there's not really a lot of there's not a lot of vampire violence in there. They're like too soft or something. I, I have I have seen the movies and just no. I know it's I know it's polarizing to say, and I may have even said it on our vampire show, but God damn it, I don't care. I love Bram Stoker's Dracula by oh, uh, yeah. Francis Ford Coppola. See, oh, of course. another, that, another that, excellent. I, I, that's a weird movie, but God, I love that movie. Gary Oldman can do no wrong. There, I said it. And, you know, I can't blame the generation that does adore Twilight because obviously movie. that's a huge yeah. uh, group of our population out there that's a huge fan. And I can't blame them for that. They, you know, they just didn't know any better. And, um, 
they haven't been able i feel like they have probably haven't seen like the before time or yeah. just really wanted vampires to <laughs> evolve into they romantic know hunks you know <laughs> so i can see that i can i, I can totally see that so yeah. you know i i just personally like them as the uh bastards of satan well, that what's they the are. name of the vampire in this in this movie the main guy I can't valak Valak, Valak, right? Yes. Yeah. See, the only reason why right? I remember his name is because he is the demon in the oh. Conjuring 2 movie. Valak oh, is the one who keeps disguising name. himself as the nun because it's his like way of making fun of Jesus or something. Ooh, nice, uh, yeah. nice cross-reference there. I The only way I remembered it is because I'm picturing, and I'm not sure if this is actually in the movie, but I'm picturing James Wood standing in the desert going, Valak! <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're wrong. Is is that a scene, or did I just make that up? Uh, you totally made it up, I, th- I think. But I can it see that happening, that though. Movie. It should be in the movie. He just throws himself to the ground and puts his fist to the sky. Uh, yeah, yeah, like something just like that. That wasn't in the... Uh, maybe, maybe he not. did, yeah. Yeah, well, I, yeah I'm just not I don't know. I feel like right? you guys would remember that. Chris, would you have watched John Carpenter's Twilight? Of course I would have. If John Carpenter did if it, John, yes. If John Carpenter's name. Yeah, that's what I mean. If it would, yeah. yeah. Give it a shot. It would have well, a better score. It's an alternate <laughs> history. It's an alternate universe I want to live in. All right. What is your number 11, Alex? Uh, my number 11 is Village of the Damned. Hmm. Um, I have a little more love for this movie because I watched it when I was very young and really into pretty much any horror movie that, you know, came across my eyes. But I just, I really like this one. This is the last time we see... Um, oh my goodness. What is his name? Uh, Christopher Reed. Yep, Christopher Reed. Um, you know, this is before his incident, you know. This is uh, one of the last movies we saw of him. Uh, oh, it's haunting to watch him. Yeah, it it really is. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, also, you know, (sighs) brings up the whole sci-fi thing. I love the cheesy sci-fi stuff. Um, and this was definitely one of those. It had some of some good scenes where, you know, the blackout that everyone had where, you know, who wants to wake up pregnant like that? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah so an entire town. Um, and, you know, all of these creepy children and everyone acting like, you know, when they're first born and all have platinum blonde hair, like that's normal. Um, I would have immediately suspected my child of being something different. <laughs> Um, I, I mean, like the I, scene where yeah. I'm sorry. I just wanted, <laughs> okay. when you talked about the scene, everyone blacking out. I love the scene where the guy falls on the grill. Oh, oh I felt yeah. so there's bad like for really, him. There's a really funny line that's said, and I can't remember what it is. But it's probably one of the girls going, "Well, at least I only ended up pregnant." Yeah, <laughs> like, something, I, don't know. <laughs> I yeah, that was that was a rough one. I was like, "Oh, that's got to smell so bad." But um, <laughs> and then you know we have our favorite drunkard um, as the Black janitor. Flower. Yep. And, you know, those kids obviously did him dirty. Um, oh, that scene's awesome. I know. <laughs> if the movie it was like 10 times more that, I would really like that movie a yeah, lot. Yeah, and he's just an enjoy. He's my favorite. He's my favorite drunk, and I love yeah, it. Yeah, he's a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, I, I thought the lead character, she actually went on later on her career as a young teen. Uh, she went into the Disney world um, and played in a movie called, um, oh, man, C- 
color of happiness. I can't remember the name of it, but it was basically a movie with her and another actor that they were talking about the, like the apartheid going on and, uh, different families, um, one from South Africa and one from America and how they, it's called the color of friendship. That's what it is. But anyway, it's very interesting to watch this kind hearted girl as a teenager be, you know, a product of an alien Satan, uh, basically as a small child. And she does it very well. She's, uh, does play a very strong female lead for being a small child. So I really liked that. I wonder, like you said, you saw this at kind of a young age and this almost does feel like it's, uh, like a beginner's horror movie like you know a kid can watch it it's not really gory there's nothing like really disturbing about it i I guess the face on the grill thing is pretty disturbing but you know kids like that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. but like you know if you wanted to to get your child into like the films of john carpenter and sort of sci-fi horror type type stuff like show them this and they won't be scarred for life but also they'll be kind of into this idea i don't know maybe maybe that wouldn't work for everyone but clearly it did for you yeah, I actually agree with that point uh, because there are, you know, you you watch the wife jump off the cliff, you, you know, but you don't see anything, and then Charles Buck Flowers obviously gets pushed off the ladder, and then oh no, but the, 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 the uh, scene where the woman dipping her arm into the boiling water. Okay, you do see that, but it still just looks a little red. Her flesh is still there, so that's <laughs> yeah. okay. It was, but but I, what I was saying was I agree with Nick and saying that it was this was somewhat child friendly. Yeah, it's like tame. it wasn't it wasn't too bad. Yeah. Um, and that's, but that's part of the reason why it's higher up on my list is just because this is probably one of the first John Carpenter movies I watched and didn't realize it was a John yep. Carpenter movie. So that's why it uh, kind of got a little higher on the list for me. All right. Uh, what, are we on 11 or 10? We are on 10. All right. So what is your Alex's number? 10? Top 10. Here we go. <laughs> oh yeah. We're, we're launching top into 10. the top 10. Well, my 10th is assault on precinct 13. Um, nice. Yeah. Uh, this one, it was, it was good in the sense of the whole storyline. Um, you know the isolation of all of these uh, police officers, and I don't, I don't even really know how to describe this one. Um, it wasn't really terrifying for me. Uh, there were a couple of disturbing scenes in there. You know, especially the little girl. Uh, that pretty much was. Up until that point, I don't think ever really done on film like the murder of a child. Um, you actually see it. Yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. Uh, but that was definitely one of the first times you ever see that on screen. Shocking for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just because it was so quick and so you you did not think that was going to happen to her. Uh, that, that that I probably am talking about it so much because that scene just really disturbed me. And I've seen you know horror movies my entire life, so there's something super horrific about that for me. Um, but these other guys, like it got a little weird when I'm sitting here, like watching them do this like blood ritual before they go (laughs) out and try to get their dude or whatever. And I'm just, why is this happening? Like, what are you guys into? Like, are you guys just gangsters? Like want to be gangsters? Are you like Satanists with guns? I don't understand. So that was a little weird for me. Um, I thought all the actors did really well. Nobody no, nobody was particularly annoying to me. But every time I even talk about this movie, all I can think about while thinking about this one is the remake because they're so contrasting. 
different. Um, I mean, you've got in this one, it's the cops like against all the bad guys. And then now it's the bad guys against the cops and the, and the remake. And it's just, you know, contrasting. So that one, um, I think I'm comfortable with where that's sitting on my ranker. I, well, I it's think not, it, it wasn't my favorite. I think another thing, just to speak in your defense, is like this movie is another. It's definitely a slow burn. Like, yeah, this is like gritty, low budget, you know, slow burn. And then at the end, it's like just you know all the fireworks go off. But um, you know, I think that you could tell like when they remade it, like they tried to make it more of a you know, I don't know, blockbuster action mm-hmm. film or something like that. Yeah, Which, I love the pacing of Assault in Precinct 13. Oh, like, I, I, don't, do, I, do I don't consider it a slow burn at all. The The beginning is slow, but then you get, as we were just talking about, the ice cream truck scene to sort of punctuate that. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's not the most fast paced movie. And I think the one thing about it that I will say is like it's an action movie that has like two action scenes. <laughs> so maybe that's kind of what the point we're getting at is that, yeah. you know, you're expecting it to be this like nonstop, like John Woo shootout, but it never really is that. Well, they get shot at a lot, but it's it's them getting shot at mostly in that scene in the middle. Yeah. The one thing I thought was pretty clever with that one was the scenes that you're watching all the the entire inside of the building just get riddled with bullets. But this time, but this one is realistic. Like you're actually yeah, like seeing bullets. Or at least things flying through other objects instead of just uh, sparks in the air. <laughs> like the remake. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yep, that's my that is my tenth. It does feel like the actors are in danger through a lot of this. Like yeah. this is the seventies, that low budget era where you know you could get away with some shit on a movie set, and yeah, it's it feels like you know the the tension that they're feeling is partly real. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, number nine. Uh, number nine for me is Escape from L.A. This movie's just fun. Uh, I, it's one of those. I feel like you can't go into it expecting any sort of like seriousness to it. Um, it's just enjoyable. Um, I mean, surfing down the road to catch it with a car. Like, that's so ridiculous. That's what I was saying before. Great. Like, the things that people hate about this movie the most are the things that people that love this movie yeah. love about it the most. You know? Like, this is the one with Bruce Campbell's, right? Oh, yeah. Bruce yeah, Campbell's that's what I was saying. And, like, he's one of my... I would have loved to have at least, like, 20 more minutes of Bruce in there. I loved that whole scene of the weird plastic surgery and just... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I just this movie was just fun. I was never bored for a second. Yes, it was a little cheesier compared to the obvious greatness of New York, but um, yeah, this was just fun. It's fun. I didn't I didn't go into this movie expecting it to be serious or to try to take it seriously. So I enjoyed it. That's fair. That is fair. What's your number eight? Uh, Christine. Uh, Christine for me. That's pretty high. Yeah, uh, yep. I really like. I liked the whole teenage angst aspect of this movie. This was like, um, I feel like maybe one of the most relatable to some high school uh, teenagers that don't exactly feel like they're the most popular person on the planet. Um, so Keith it, Gordon, that's his yeah, name. Yeah, it plays to a lot of that aspect, just... Uh, wanting to fit in, wanting to feel better about yourself um, in your teenage years, and then it just becomes, obviously for this young man, a complete obsession and <laughs> turns into, well, a car that's alive so and not very nice. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, well, it's Stephen. It has all the classic Stephen King. Yeah, tropes it really does. It, it does and for sure. I love the fact that the car just rebuilds itself after completely massacring itself. Uh, that aspect was really cool for me. Um, just some of the kill scenes were pretty brilliant. Like uh, when the one guy gets behind the wheel and the car just like, basically implodes on itself to kill him, and then it just unpops itself like a soda can. That was pretty cool. Um, yeah, uh, that's the reason why I like that one. Um, it's a little higher up for me just because I found it more enjoyable than some of the others on the list. I like the, I like the music in Christine a mm-hmm. lot, too. Oh, for sure. The music's great. Yeah, that's yeah. one part I keep forgetting to mention is the scores in a lot of these movies are pretty amazing. Yeah. Christine is, I, it's one that I haven't seen in a while, right? Like, I watched it whenever we did it on the show, and, you know, I was talking before about, like, catching scenes from stuff on YouTube, and that one doesn't seem to come up as much, and I almost feel like I'm about due for a rewatch of that. But I put it on my list anyway, and uh, we'll find out where it ended up, and I don't know. It's one I haven't thought about until just recently. I'm like, oh, man, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to, to check that movie out again. And it, that uh, the track on anthology like that's the one i come back to i think the most so just speaking about the score for a second like i don't know what it is just something about the the melody of it or something it's uh uh, no pun intended it's a very driving sort of theme that this movie has and i really like it. it's high octane it's high octane (laughs) very good uh, uh, yeah, I definitely plan on watching it again myself just because there is a reboot in the works that i'm pretty excited to see so all right. See if yeah. they can make that one a little better. <laughs> I hope they cancel it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. What What do you have up next? All right. My next one is The Fog. Now, what uh, number are we on now? Number this, seven. This number seven. Um. So. Well, The Fog. The first time I watched this movie, I have to be honest here. I didn't really care for it that much. It was definitely not uh, high up for me. I don't even really have a good reason why because it has all the proper elements of a good you know scary movie um you know the fog itself the characters uh just a small isolated town that they're in but uh i still i the second and third time i believe i've seen it three times now that it started to improve a lot better um i mean you've got jamie lee curtis her mother I can't believe I can't think of her mother's name right now. It's, it's Janet Lee. Janet Lee. Janet Lee, my God. Um, the one I can't think. Oh, yeah. And then we have our, you know, stunningly beautiful Adrian up in the lighthouse. Um, Atkins. Yep, and Tom Atkins. <laughs> he's he's my favorite leading man. Tom Atkins uh, and Adrian Barbeau. It's like almost more sexiness than one movie can Yeah, handle. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So but after watching that, that one took a couple of times for me to really appreciate. Uh, appreciate. Uh, but I do, I am a fan now, um, but it didn't really hit me that hard the first time around. I feel like that movie's a little bit of a grower. And I think even at the yep. time when it came out, right? Like if you were, if you were a huge fan of Halloween, right? Like here's the new horror movie from the guy who made Halloween. And then you saw the fog, you'd be like, oh, that was good, but it wasn't Halloween. It wasn't exactly as scary. It kind of just wasn't up to the same standard. It wasn't doing the same kind of thing. So, um, you know, maybe it does require a little bit of reevaluation. I think it's, it's a good point to make about that. Well, I mean, it, it's, it, it's classic Carpenter. No one can mm-hmm. deny that. That's all I had to say. <laughs> all right. I thought you were going to make a defense. I mean, no, I agree no. with you. I think it is classic Carpenter, but yeah. All right. Well, what is your number six? Escape from New York. Mm. Uh, 
I know that's probably a little lower for uh, you guys, but this one, um, there were a few ahead of it that I enjoyed a lot more. Um, but Escape from New York is classic. I mean, Snake Plissken, I don't think there is another badass out there in the sci-fi world um, as good as Plissken um, for that um, realm. But I, it was just excellent movie. Donald Pleasance, you know, is the president. It's pretty awesome. Uh, the movie needs yeah. more Donald Pleasance. Yeah, as, as any movie needs more Donald. Um, he's always just such an enjoyable character. But uh, I have to say probably my, I don't know, I don't really have any favorite parts of this. This was just a fun ride. Yeah. Um, just a fun introduction to a character like Snake. Um, and all I can think about when I watch, I just, a lot of it is machete-like, you know. Or Machete, that oh, those yeah. movies, well, like it's great. He's, um, it's it just a reminder of those movies. I mean, but. Robert Rodriguez <laughs> is on record saying yeah. that him seeing Escape from New York was the movie that made him want to be a filmmaker. I, solid, yeah, and it, it is grindhousey in a lot of ways. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's a bigger budget, it's a studio movie, but it does have that just kind of gritty grindhouse sort of feel to it. Mm-hmm. And I could totally see the parallels between you know this and you know stuff that came before and and now. Like we have stuff like Machete, the sort of grindhouse pastiches. Right. Um, there's definitely shared DNA there. Uh, I think it needs more of all of the actors that are in it. Like I almost wish Escape from New York was longer because I'd mm. love to see not only more Donald Pleasance but more Lee Van Cleef and more Isaac Hayes, um, more Adrian Barbeau. I mean, there is no movie that wouldn't benefit from more Adrian Barbeau. Mm. And like, I don't know, it's uh, it's a really well-paced... Oh, that dress. Yeah. Um, every, the production design, the costumes. I mean, there's so many cool things in this movie, but uh, it is, you know, the pace is great and it does move at a nice clip, but you almost wish it was longer. Like, you almost feel like there is more to see here than we get to. Yeah, definitely a repeat watch for me. Um, I will continue to watch this movie mm. over the years, uh, for sure. That theme song too. Yeah. The theme song. Oh, love it, love and it. Charles love it, love Charles Cipher is hardly in this movie, and I was hoping more was Charles Cipher like, Yeah, I guess that's a thing about any. Uh, I guess good movies do kind of leave you wanting more though that's the whole point well that's true because once i get to escape from la i'm like all right i guess i'm done with snake plissken now (laughs) (laughs) all right alex moving on to your top five all right um my number five is they live uh i absolutely adored this movie when i first saw it um i don't think chris was expecting me to have that reaction to it right away but I mean, there is nothing about this movie that doesn't talk about the world we live in right now. Uh, I think that's the part that kind of knocked me off my feet a little bit uh, because it's just it's so relatable and so, well, eye opening in a way. Um, Yeah. Put on those shades. Yes. (laughs) Um, I think the music is absolutely excellent. This whole score is great best fist fight yeah. oh ever. yeah oh and oh, the amazing. eight minute long fight between those two is just incredible and even watching like behind the scenes of how they went about even putting that fight together or oh, yeah. rehearsing it or yeah the core the coordination all of that was just excellent um super enjoyed this movie uh we'll definitely watch over and over again the characters were great um What's yeah. her name with the piercing eyes? I always forget. Ooh. Why do we do this to ourselves every single time? I don't know. 
Well, her eyes, uh, her right well, her now, whole just beauty itself is just Meg Foster. Yes. yes. Are we talking about yes. Meg Foster? Oh, We're definitely yes. talking about Meg Foster. Uh, yes. She is. I, I've never seen another person that has eyes like that. They pierce your soul. Yep. Um, but yeah, she was incredible. Um, Keith David. Oh, can't, yeah. can't forget Keith, Keith, Keith David. Oh, I know Keith David and uh, the wrestler. Roddy, oh yeah, Rowdy, Roddy, Rowdy, Roddy Piper. <laughs> How many times do we struggle to say that in those two episodes? I feel like it's such a tongue twister. <laughs> I can never get that one out. I know we'll get to it when we get to it, but like, I think they live is is they live gets better every time I watch it. Mm-hmm. And it I loved really it the first does. time I watched it, and it just gets better every time I yeah, see it. I think the last time we watched it, when when the credits were rolling, I was like, that fucking movie. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Well, it's also, it's had this, like, interesting shelf life. Like, it is basically the biggest John Carpenter meme movie, mm-hmm. especially now, as you were saying. I mean, some of the things that are talked about in this film are just so absurdly timely. It's like, how did they know kind of thing? And so, you know, the artwork we see all over the place and the obey stuff and consume um, in the mm-hmm. COVID era has just been all over the place. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, like, that says something to me about this movie and, and just how ahead of its time it was and just how how smart it was, you know, how uh, how forward thinking it was. And I do think it's going to last. Uh, the world's not going to change anytime soon. So I think this movie is going to have that kind of nice resurgence that it deserves. Yeah, it's definitely about really needing to sit back and look at the world through another lens, so to speak. <laughs> really see what's going on. But through yeah, another I re- lens. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed that movie right off up. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we're on four. Yes. Yep. All right. Number four. Number four is body bags for me. Yes. Wow. Very, very high up for me. I have never been more entertained by John Carpenter other than watching his live <laughs> concerts. Um, mm. Obviously, his character, you know, as you very well put it earlier, kind of our crypt keeper uh, going on. He is incredible. I have never laughed so hard watching him on, you know, film. But his character is just so quirky and over the top, and it's amazing. Um, as much as I enjoyed the gas station one, another funny, I don't know why I keep making these Disney references, but I just can't help myself. Um, <laughs> the killer in gas station actually plays Lizzie McGuire's father in the TV <laughs> series. So, oh. once again, going from Chris, like, how did we miss that? Yeah, uh, going I know. from yeah, exactly. horror to like Disney Channel is just really <laughs> funny to me. I don't know. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed gas station. I cannot remember the, uh, young woman's name. That was the main character, um, in that particular part of the anthology, but I thought her acting was incredible. Um, very, very well done movie. It was kind of, you know, interesting to see, uh, just all the different characters. Obviously someone would run into at a gas station, especially working the late shift. You get probably a little bit of everything and can we please talk about Wes Craven uh coming up to <laughs> the window like so drunk and disorderly just like old drunken yeah, creep like, hey baby i got some whiskey in the back seat no i believe it I, i'm sorry alex i believe it's bourbon oh i'm he's sorry like, I apologize. he's like i got some bourbon in the car if you want to uh, that was a know, pretty excellent like, cameo um you know what i love yeah. while we're talking about it it's it's just simple as fuck it's like here's a gas station at night. Yeah. Yep. And and it's like, you know, just the same thing in uh that gas station's like in 
half his movies, I feel like. Oh, and the gas station attendant that was supposed to be there, Ted Raimi. Yep. <laughs> or Sam Raimi. Sam actually. Raimi, I'm sorry. Yep. Yes, I apologize. Uh that was that was an excellent little uh, part of the the uh, first part of the anthology, and then my absolute favorite oh, yeah. one is definitely hair. Uh, I <sighs> giggled so I can't even say I laughed so hard. I giggled so hard at Stacy Keach's character. He was just adorable after he, <laughs> well after you know he uh, gets his hair so to speak, but um, just. How he goes from such extremes um, on his mood level. He's so angry and so depressed without any hair. And then he finally gets it. And he's just can't even help but like make out with himself in the mirror. And it's just pretty great. And then like Chris kindly pointed out to you, the Greg Nicotero uh, (laughs) cameo. Uh, That whole montage there where he's like looking at all these people and all their beautiful hair. (laughs) And like we cut to one, like this one real handsome dude and his girlfriend, whatever. And then they cut to the dog. And that shot, that cut just makes me laugh so much. I I was I was I was not surprised at all to hear that this was that high on Alex's list because like like. You have to understand, like when when we watch this, I can like see the joy. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> it's it's like all those things you were talking about, like the tales of the crypt aspect, like actually being able to see JC, like you know, acting in any kind of capacity, and then yeah, like hair is like I'm. I just have a giant smile on my face the whole time I'm watching that That's uh, segment. And I'm. I mean, I have to just go ahead and comment. Like, I mean, tales of the crypt and like creep show are probably. Two of my absolute favorite anthologies to watch, and I could watch them over and over and over yep. again, and plan on it. Um, but that's part of my, part of a my love for this anthology. I'm a big anthology person. Uh, I do enjoy them a lot, especially just you know back to back to back. Mm-hmm. Um, the third one I have to say was probably my least favorite. Um, if I had to pick between the three, uh, not because I didn't like it, just because it was. That one got a little too much for me. Like, you I know, think it's called the eye. Or yeah, eye it is or called the like eye. That. And it's got. Um, oh, it's Mark Hamill playing. Yeah, Mark Hamill. Type. Yes. And like, it's just I mean, rapey Mark Hamill is just not a fun yeah. time for me. Uh, that that part kind of was just, you know, it, out of all three of them, that just was not my favorite. Um, still well done. Um, I like the idea behind it. I mean, we have other movies out there. Uh, that were probably inspired by this one particular mini movie. Um, eye transplants. <laughs> yeah, uh, eye transplants and seeing horrific things. I mean, you got a skit from VHS on the, uh, that did that. I mean, the eye with. Um, oh, uh, the uh, Jessica Alba. Yes, Jessica uh, Alba. The eye, yeah, sure. Yeah, all of those movies kind of, you know, at least hint at this one little part of the anthology. So. Um, I think the problem with it is it's yeah. way more serious than the other two. Like the the first two segments are That's more tongue in cheek and they're a lot more fun. And yeah, like this one, it kind of seems like it's going to be like that too. But then it gets kind of just darker and more tragic and, and rapier than it should be. And yeah, darker yeah. is definitely a good word. He's for like that. he's like yeah. reading out of the Bible and yeah, shit. Yeah, it's just <laughs> too much. Just too much. Uh, fun fact, you guys, because I looked this up on IMDb last night. I'm pretty sure that because uh, we mentioned ch- it's cherry hills right cherry falls cherry falls cherry hills cherry hills <laughs> Close. Uh, ch- uh, cherry falls uh, same director as the movie the eye actually yeah I don't remember you did, his you name did but i remember seeing that um, oh jeffrey wright i believe 
but mm. um yeah jeremy right jeffrey is it jeffrey okay you're, you're probably right i don't know anyway <laughs> uh my top three Oh yeah, my we're God, moving Nick, on are to you the ready? top this three. Is, this is crazy. And you know what? I just wanted to say. The bronze, so, the silver, and the gold. Yeah. This, this has been so much fun because I'm already like, I don't want to say I'm looking at my ranker and there's things I want to change. I'm not going to change it. Um, it's but too late. I can't wait to hear like how much different, because there's things that are similar and things that are like wildly different in, in our ranker uh, rankers already. And I can't wait to hear uh, Josh and Megan Megan's choices. But Without further ado. Yeah. <laughs> All right. My number three is The Thing. Um, <laughs> once again, this um, I have to say, the first time I watched this, I did like it a lot. Um, I think it just didn't hit me that hard the first time around. Uh, and looking back on it now, it surprises me that it didn't because this is once again, you know, what we were talking about in the beginning of this uh, conversation was just the sci-fi thrillers. Like this is the epitome of it in a sense. Um, well, in a different way, more like body horror. <laughs> but uh, this movie is absolutely incredible. Uh, the visualizations of everything. Uh, the filmography, the characters, there's nothing bad that I can say about this movie, really. Um, I mean, I, I don't like seeing huskies, you know, turn into giant piles of flesh, but that was pretty much the only but thing I didn't really like. But if you have to see that in one movie, see it in yeah. this <laughs> Yeah, just see it in that one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's really not much else. Um, it's once again, like Carpenter has this, thing with uh making isolation uh part of the absolute terror of his movies and it's very uh genius in a way to do that because i mean when you really think about isolation itself that's terrifying by itself with nothing else going on just being alone and how your mind can play tricks on you and make you think differently and i feel like that also has an effect on every character in this uh movie you know just the descent into what do they call that group group insanity like paranoia or just, yeah like mass hysteria there you go there yeah you like go. mass yep. hysteria basically in a very small scale um but yeah this, this movie is incredible um every time i watch it i think i've seen it maybe three times now um i enjoy it even more every time i mean i think it's pretty excellent and yeah. uh yeah it's definitely it, it feels like it's going to be top three for all of us but yeah i don't know chris and i well a few weeks down the road we'll have to find that out but yeah it's um i guess something i've been thinking about it lately is i think the era that we're in right now and not to get too much into this but like mm -hmm. in in the covid19 world the thing is another one of those movies that just seems way ahead of its time and this idea of who's infected and who can you trust and stuff like that just seems to hit even harder now than it i mean this was always one of my favorite movies but i don't know something about it now it's it's almost so so true to life in some ways that it's uncomfortable and even though it's a completely fantastical scenario something about it just feels like it's so of the moment yes it's the it's 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 <laughs> i think we can all agree to it's his bleakest film like by far. yes and yeah. i think you know times being as bleak as they have been lately i yeah. don't know it's like i i don't feel myself compelled to watch it in the same sort of fun way that i used to Oh, the fucking score by Ennio Morricone! <laughs> like, I can Amazing. hear it in my head right now, and it's just—it's just so dreadful. Like bum, it bum. just. 
uh, I mean, bum, bum. The, well, Nick, I was thinking more of the part with the horns, you know, the. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I personally love the vinyl it, we have of it. Oh, yeah. We got that it's sweet beautiful. ass uh, waxworks. Uh, vinyl. Nick, uh, do you ever make it down <laughs> here again, man? We are going to spin some vinyl, man. Yes. I've got the, um, the, the Carpenter catalog. I've got the. The, the Dewey Decimal System yes. of, uh, <laughs> of Carpenter Vinyls at this yes. point. Nice. Yeah, I, I want to rock out to Village of the Damned. Hell yeah. The, the thing's amazing. Everybody knows it. I'd find it hard to... I've never seen it not in the top of any ranker, so I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, I guess that's all we should probably say for now, but um, yeah. yes. Excellent choice. What What is your number two? My number two is Big Trouble in Little China. Fuck yeah, um, dude. I <laughs> I don't really know where else to like start with this by like wow this movie is just so much fun all the way around it is hysterical who is funnier than Jack Burton oh. I you know he's just amazing I thought when uh, he goes undercover yeah. in the the brothel oh it's great it's just, I could watch a whole movie of just that character of just Jack Burton playing that character. Ugh. Kim Cattrall's great. Uh, yep. We'll always like her. And then we've got one of the greatest actors like out there, James Hong. He's been in like I think we looked it up one time, and then he has acted in over three hundred different yeah. uh, films or you know shorts or TV. Sh- he is just you know one of the greats out there. And him as David Lopan is just. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to laugh, but I do because he's just so quirky and evil and like you don't even want to believe he's as evil as he is because <laughs> he just seems so ridiculous. But uh, yeah, I I enjoyed every single part of this movie. Every single part. Oh, um, the adventure I, I, I aspect of it is incredible. I like, don't blame you at yeah. all for putting that because you know what? This is a movie where you it could is take, fun. Yeah, it you is could just you fun. could say fuck the rest of his filmography, yeah. right? And be like, so be like, <laughs> like if you had to roll the dice with like a group of people, you know, just a random group of people, and be like, let's put on something that's like funny and entertaining and just an adventure or whatever. Like, you'd probably be safest like putting this on out of all his films. Oh, you know, because, absolutely. And, and, yeah, and 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 like I've I've met so many people whenever I talk to them about you know my. Uh, my, my my huge fandom of John Carpenter, like I get that a lot. I get oh, Big Trouble in Little China. I fucking love that movie. You know, like mm-hmm. it's a very uh, it's a very respected film, I think. And again, just a complete, uh, just a, a complete uh, mystery to me why at the time, like so many of his other movies uh, that uh, I don't know are classics now. Just yeah, we. I mean, go back and listen to. We did uh, two episodes on this movie, actually, which it deserved. Yeah, yeah. It's just fucking everything. Sorry, I didn't mean to take the spotlight. I'm just saying, I'm not surprised at oh, all. Oh, like, not that's at a all. Very, yeah. Uh, well, for my number one, I don't. Think uh, it hold on, drum roll, please. Let's. Oh, uh, yes. We need some fanfare <laughs> of some kind. <laughs> for Christmas vacation, like. Yep. Drum roll. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think it comes as no surprise. Uh, Halloween. Yeah. Uh, solid choice. Yes. John Carpenter's absolute... Halloween. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have said John Carpenter <laughs> first. Uh, my absolute favorite movie. Um, I could even put it as far as in, and I've seen hundreds of movies in my lifetime, and I would easily put this in my top five yep. um, of all time. So uh, good. This movie I probably watched for the very first time when I was six or seven. 
um, on Halloween night. I specifically remember eating my Reese's peanut butter cups uh, on my little 10 inch TV in the living room. And my mom coming in and seeing what I was about to watch. And she's like, that's going to give you nightmares. You shouldn't watch that. And I was like, mom, it's fine. <laughs> and here we are <laughs> several, several years later. And it is one of my all time favorite movies. Um, and once again, when I obviously started watching this, I um, have not really paid a lot of attention to the directors of films um, right up until, well, Chris really got me into paying attention to that sort of thing. Um, I just used to watch movies just because I enjoyed watching the movie. I didn't really uh, get into the background of uh, the filmography itself, the directors, the, you know, how, how what makes this movie happen basically who's the cin- oh shit yeah <laughs> who, who, exactly who's the, who's the cinematographer yeah. on this one you know i never knew shit about that either <laughs> yeah. you know so well, she even, was seven years yeah. old going to school like hey have you guys seen that new dean cundy movie yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what the fuck that guy I'm is a right master there. of the steady cam yeah fuck that everyone knows halloween is the most legendary i mean it's yeah. it's it's an absolute it's it's the only film you can look at of his and say this is a phenomenon there's mm-hmm. nothing is as popular or spawned such a massive franchise that I mean that today has <laughs> is, ma- is has ongoing. Has, has, yeah, has made over like seven hundred million dollars or something. I mean, Halloween is the reason I have such a passion for the horror genre. It is yeah. the reason why it all started for me. And I um, think that's pretty common. I think this is a movie mm-hmm. that uh, a lot of horror fans would consider like you know the sacred text, right? Oh, like, absolutely. This is the movie that got me into this genre, and this is one of the best examples of this genre. It, it is. Yeah, you don't talk shit movie. about Halloween. You just don't. <laughs> Not to horror uh, fans. No, and, and honestly, I know a lot of people who are pretty picky about their horror movies, but mm-hmm. but even they just they have to give this one the respect that it deserves. It's right. not the goriest movie. It's maybe not the scariest movie, but it's so well made, and and there are so many memorable moments in it. Like you gotta love it. Yeah, and you know, it's it's a, th- a thought that occurs to me as we're as we're talking about it yet again is I love how when you hear interviews of the the. You know, John himself and other people that, you know, Deborah Hill, uh, Nick Castle, Jamie Lee Curtis, all these people involved in the film. Like, I love how this thing went on to become this, you know, iconic film and legendary and all that stuff, or um, just have like the the level of influence that it's had on other movies that when they were making this movie, none of that was never like the intention. Like they, they didn't sit down to be like, we're going to make a movie that's going to change the game. And it's going to be, you know, the, as they say in Halloween three, you know, the immortal classic or whatever. <laughs> like they were just like, no, it was like, we were just young kids having fun trying to make yeah. a scary movie. That's it. <laughs> it's like, it was all done without any intention. It's true. And it's one of those it, great yeah. stories like uh, evil dead. It reminds me a lot of yeah. that in terms of just being these very young, very ambitious filmmakers. And in some sense, just kind of fucking around and seeing what they could get away with. But you know, they had it, they had that spark. They had that thing that could make this, as you said, a, a cultural phenomenon. I mean, did it need all the sequels? Maybe not, but 
you know, whatever. If anything that draws people back to the original, to see where Michael Myers came from, to see this amazing film. I, I mean, Alex, you called this one of your top five films, not just mm-hmm. John Carpenter films, not just your favorite film of his, but top five films of all time. And yes. yeah, I mean, this is one of the few horror movies ever that can really kind of just stand on that level with, you mm-hmm. know, the Hitchcocks or like with the, the classic films of American cinema, you know, 200 years from now when this is all just like long since in the past and and you know only a few people are scholars of of what the movies were this is going to be one of the movies they're going to talk about you know there's there's very few films that you could say that about where you know it's going to kind of exemplify its genre its time um yeah it's it's a perfect first the uh, perfect favorite choice, perfect favorite Carpenter movie. And I feel like it's the one movie where, you know, if you've seen only one Carpenter movie, this was the one, right? Like it was Absolutely. Halloween, caught it on TV, like during the holiday season, totally captured the spirit of Halloween. If you like that kind of stuff and you became kind of a fan for life. Yeah. I also just want to touch on the fact that this movie is probably one of the greatest horror movies of all time but also one of the simplest. It's so simply terrifying without going over the top on any level. There's like no blood. There's there's no blood. There's like no gore. There's, you know, obviously it's a little stabby, but, you know. <laughs> a little stabby. A little stabby, a little, a little slicey, a little. He holds nice people guy, a, little a little too stabby. tight. But, um, yeah, I just it's the simplicity of a character stalking a babysitter and the kids and slowly taking them out one by one. Like it's just the simplicity of that entire storyline I find is so cool that it has will now be regarded in history as one of the greatest horror movies ever made. And I don't really think anybody can argue with that. I love the idea of simplicity too, because Michael Mm -hmm. Myers is not over explained in this first movie. And that's one of the things that the sequels did that I didn't like. And I, you know, you know, some people were okay with it, but to me, he's so much scarier in this movie than he's ever been before. And no matter how much this new trilogy tries to sort of pay homage to this and to, to be really true to the character, you have to explain more. You have to tell more of his story. And I Mm -hmm. like exactly what we get here. You know, the, the shape, the way he appears in this first film will never be more terrifying to me. And, and that's because the unknown aspect of it is uh, is just kind of so palpable through this. So right. I agree with that, too. I mean, it is it's a very simple movie that makes the most of a very small budget, small cast, uh, not a lot of locations. And it's just pure, beautiful, amazing filmmaking kind of all the way through. Not a wasted moment. Um, you know, there's no scenes where it's like, yeah, they probably didn't need to do that or they could have gotten to this faster. The pacing's great. Um, yeah, like I said, perfect movie. The fucking music. I oh, mean, this is this is like one of the few movies that you could go and watch and leave and hear the music in your head for days and days. Like you can't forget it. You the know, theme that, song used to be my dad's ringtone. It's my awesome. ringtone now. <laughs> Actually, and, that's and true. I, I just you know, like it's funny because I've as annoyingly bad as as some parts of some of the sequels get and stuff like that. Like. I've just be I'm just a huge fan of the franchise. Like I'm that much of a nerd where like, you know, I'll watch the the lesser Halloween movies to see like 
one or two aspects of them I like. Like when you watch Halloween five mm-hmm. and you get to see Donald Pleasance as Dr. Loomis just have this huge break in his character where he becomes an absolute psycho. And it, and, it, and, it, and it's yes. and like to me like the descent wa- into madness. Yeah, like of Donald watching Pleasance that movie is, is wildly entertaining to see like like Donald Pleasance is all over that movie. Mm-hmm. Is it a good movie? Absolutely not. Nothing will ever touch the original, but the original started it all. And as a fan, I feel bad for the other franchises like Friday the 13th and A Nightmare on Elm Street that for whatever stupid reasons can't, you know, put out new movies right now. I can honestly Uh, say I've seen every single one in the franchise of Halloween at least three times. Yeah, sure. And and uh, (laughs) it all started with this with this Mama Jamma. This classic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, that is it. Uh, that is the first trip through the the Carpenter filmography as far as rankings go for our three episode end of show extravaganza. That was a lot of fun. Um, definitely yeah. got me thinking too. I am not going to change my list. I'm pretty married me to it. Me neither. But yeah, good, interesting conversations ahead. And I thought uh, everything we talked about today was as well. Well, Alex, thank you again for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me again. I have a lot of fun with these. Well, I hope you will join us for the next phase of the uh, Chris and Nick film review podcast project. Um, I don't know, Chris, how much we want to say about it right now, but since Alex is here and she is a horror fan, let's just say that it is going to very significantly involve the horror genre. Oh, yes, indeed. And we are still in the... uh pre-production stages but yeah there's uh, still a couple of uh t's to cross and i's to dot but we're definitely going to be doing it we'll probably launch i'd say mid-spring uh this year yep and and nick and i have agreed for um all of you awesome people listening uh to stay committed to anytime anything significant happens in the john carpenter world as he's still very active as an artist uh, we will be peppering episodes um into the precinct 13 catalog so we're not you know it's the show will go on um (laughs) but we just got basically these two we're gonna do two more ranker episodes uh and then yeah make a a pretty big break into an entirely new uh program yeah looking forward to all of that so um of course with us ranking the Carpenter films, we'd love to hear yours as well. Oh, we'd love yes. to see your lists. Um, or, you know, if you want to point out where you completely disagree with us or agree with us uh, in anything that we've said thus far or will in the weeks ahead, um, we would really love to hear from you. Again, this show has been a lot of fun to do, but I don't know that we would do it if we didn't have people listening. Um, you know, Chris and I could talk movies anytime. It's so much more fun to do it with an audience, and we really appreciate everyone who's come out and uh, sent us feedback and has just downloaded and listened to the show um it's really awesome of all of you and we thank you so again send us your list our email is precinct one three podcast at gmail.com we're on twitter at one three precinct facebook.com slash one three precinct and our website where you can download all of our episodes and subscribe to the show is precinct one three dot simplecast.com we'd still really appreciate a review and a rating and you know i was thinking about these like last three episodes where we're ranking the films maybe this is a good entry point into the show as well like listen to these and you know hear our thoughts on carpenter just sort of in general and then go back and listen to some episodes of your favorite films or something like that so if you know anyone who's a carpenter fan who might want to check it out um we would love to have them do that but with that we are going to take a a little bit of time off look at our lists again but hopefully not change them and we'll catch in a couple weeks on precinct 13. (laughs) 